Welcome to the Apex Law Group Podcast with your host, Peter Smith. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Apex Law Podcast. Today, I am joined by Mr. Luke Newman from Amplify Consulting Partners. Luke, it's really, really good to have you here. And Luke is going to be talking to us a little bit today about his company and some of his management woes, I suppose, over the last year, 2020. And the year that was. But Luke, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So quickly, catch us up. Who or what is Amplify Consulting Partners? Amplify Consulting Partners is an IT professional services firm, our consulting firm. And we do work for Fortune 500 companies, uh, as well as some smaller companies. But our, our big clients are you know, Microsoft, T-Mobile, Lululemon, that kind of stuff. Right. And what, what is your role with Amplify Consulting Partners? I am the chief product officer, so my focus is on making sure that the the services that we deliver are consistent, high quality, add value, and building the frameworks and artifacts and processes that support that. Awesome. So for you know a little less business speak for, for our audience, Luke helps build teams and processes within his company. You're also the found one of the founders of Amplify Consulting Partners, right, Luke? That's correct. Yeah, so you've been around since the beginning. How long have you guys been in business? We're coming up on four years. We're about to have our four-year birthday in July. Four years, kicking butt, taking names here in the Pacific Northwest. Obviously, your clients are, I mean, national, if not international, yeah? Yep, yep. We're fortunate. We're very lucky that in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of headquarters for the kinds of companies that we target. So Awesome. So, okay, great. So I, I've had the, the pleasure of working with Luke on a couple of different projects in the, in the past, but what struck me, Luke, about you, your personality, what you do is, you know, is building teams, encouraging teams. And I have been an avid follower of your company uh, in the various socials, LinkedIn and, and, and whatnot. But so I've sort of watched your company over the last year, 2020, we're recording this in at the end of April 2021. So for literally about a year, have to deal with, you know, the turmoil of COVID and some racial unrest and, you know, the, the political scene of the fall of 2020. And so I just wanted to kind of ask you some questions about tackling that stuff and how you guys got to where you did, you know, because I'm following the, the social media and I see posts about, you know, every time something came up, it seemed like you and, and your company, you guys had thought through, okay, this event has happened. How do we tackle it? How do we deal with it? And then sort of externally, you've shared with the world, hey, we're all feeling this. We're dealing with this like this at Amplify. And I thought that was really cool. So I think for people listening, you know, some of that uh, thought process would be really interesting. So let's let's start with the big one. What did you guys do once the governor of Washington State or whatever had basically announced, hey, COVID's a thing. We all need to shelter in place. What was that like? Well, I think there's multiple layers to that, right? The first layer is just tactical. Where do, where do you do the work? How, how are you going to get work done if people are at home and they're not in the office? And for us, that was easy because we were largely remote already. We did never had expectations of folks that they'd be in a certain place at a certain time physically. We have for the entirety of our business tenure had the attitude that no matter where, when, or how work gets done, so long as it gets done, we don't care. Mm -hmm. And so we did shut down our office. We, we, we had everyone work from home, but tactically we were not impacted much. And the other layer though, is the business landscape of what's mm -hmm. going to happen to existing projects. What's going to happen to our pipeline of work and how are we going to make sure that we can survive 
with with a bunch of unknowns. Mm -hmm. And so last March, we had a town hall meeting because we knew that if we're wondering this as the firm leadership, what is everyone else thinking about? What are their anxieties? What are their worries? What are their fears? What are their hopes? Mm -hmm. And how can we make sure to continue to make people feel like they're seen, valued, and appreciated. So, so when you say town hall, sorry, sorry to interrupt. Tell me, what what do you mean town hall? Like from the general community, or no? Sorry, a company. Sorry, count company town hall, where we where we basically we had a, you know, we have regular all hands meetings, but this was not one of the regular times. We typically do those quarterly or 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 every half. And so we just said, hey guys, there's this big thing happening. We're gonna we're gonna invite everyone to this meeting. If you can show up, great. We're gonna cover our our thinking and our approach to COVID. And we had talked as a leadership team and we, we had coalesced around this idea that we wanted to protect everybody and that our priority, our business priority and, and our values and missional priority was going to protect, be to protect our team. So we let folks know, hey, protect yourselves physically, be home, quarantine, let's, let's do this thing right. You know, you'll, you'll have full support from us in terms of where you do your work. Also, we, at that time, we thought, hey, none of us know how this is going to shape up. We don't know how this is going to work, but we've got your back. And so we have decided that we are fine making no money if that's what it takes to protect everybody. Mm-hmm. And so we were, we told everyone that we were committed to not laying anybody off over the course of COVID. And that if the company started to lose money, the first step that we would take, oh, sorry, uh, actually, if I back up a sec, we, we paused a couple benefits. We had some kind of like, you can't pause some benefits, right? You can't be like, oh, we're going to not pay healthcare now. But there's some benefits like the extra ones, like 401k matching or other extras. Sure. Yeah. That we, we, we said, hey, look, what we want to do to prepare for this storm is we want to pause these benefits. And we asked if that was okay. But the idea is every little piece of revenue that we can, that we can retain is, some, is a new, another person we can protect. Right. And so we said, hey, look, this is what we're going to do out of the gate. If we lose money, if we continue to lose money beyond this, then the next step will be my partner and I would take a pay cut. And then the following step would be that the leadership team would take a pay cut. So it was going to be 25% for my partner and I, 15% for the leadership team. And then if we continue to lose money, we were going to ask the rest of the company to take a 10% pay cut just to be able to protect as many people as possible. Now, we never got to that place. Wow. That's impressive. But our, what we were trying to communicate to everybody is like, look, our first priority is you, and we're going to make this make it through this thing together. And in fact, <laughs> it was kind of crazy because we the first month we lost money was December, and we lost money December, January, February, and then came back out the other end, and now it's trending up again in terms mm-hmm. of like project work and like that. So it's kind of like down to the wire before we had to do anything more dramatic. And we're all pretty happy about getting through this thing together. And if I can ask, because we've had Apex covered a lot of this and and others have too, how did government support come into play with that, if at all? PPP loans, EIDL loans, things like that? Yeah, yeah, we did get a PPP loan. And that was instrumental for sure, for making sure that we could retain retain everybody. Without the PPP loan... Would have been much tougher. It would have been tougher. Uh, I can't say that that we wouldn't have been able to, but definitely that gave us the buffer we needed to kind of walk confidently through that space. Right. Because I just think that, you know, as everybody looks back on this period in history, I mean, there was a significant amount of money that got out to a ton of businesses from small to, to large, right? I mean, the federal government spent, you know, 
trillions of dollars over the last year trying to support that. And it was just a Herculean effort. So it's interesting to just see how much that did help or didn't or whatever. was curious to hear about that. Okay, good. But so, you know, that wasn't the only thing that plagued 2020. In the midst of us dealing with a pandemic and learning about PPE and how viruses spread and, you know, all of that stuff, there was a lot of sort of other things going on. And we are coming up, again, we're recording this at the end of what, April 2021. So, so we're coming up on, on one year about of George Floyd's murder. You know, I remember when that happened, I was certainly, you know, and, and I saw the police footage, I was certainly struck and horrified, frankly, about what I had seen. But, you know, for running a company of 50 plus people, I think you guys are up to 70 these days or 60 or 70 these days. But so wherever you're at, 100. Hundred people these days. Wow. Back then it was like back then it was at least sixty, yeah. Yeah, in about two weeks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Last oh last oh yeah, back then it was about sixty, yeah, probably. Yeah, I mean I mean, how do you you know, when something like that happens, you know, cast us back, what was going through your mind? I remember there was some trepidation amongst the general business community about whether to address something like this at all. And and if so, how to how to address something like that. Well, what did you guys do? What was your thought process there? Well, I wish I could say that I that I did everything right. I didn't. As I saw that event, just in the news, like a headline, you know, kind of a thing, I didn't immediately go watch the video. But as I saw more and more buzz about it, I was like, oh, I, should, I should probably look at this. And it affected me personally, like profoundly, like this just, just deep sense of injustice and sadness and, and impotence in some way to, you know, help. And so I, I drafted an email to, to the company just with my thoughts and feelings. And it was pretty raw at the time. And then, and then I didn't send it because I thought, who am I? Why, why would anyone care what I have to say or think about this? Like, right. how, is, how is my thoughts, feelings, or whatever relevant to this moment? And is it just pompous of me to send something? To, to, does it make it worse? Does it hurt? Yeah. Understood. And so I, I put it, it was in my drafts folder. And then the next day I got an email from one of the folks on my team that said, hey, I'm really disappointed that you haven't responded to this. You haven't sent out an email. And I was like, oh, dang it. <laughs> and you mean just from a, from, a, from a team member, a fellow employee? Yeah, I felt yeah. bad because they, they felt like we weren't, that somehow by not saying something, we weren't, we weren't giving that event the reverence that it deserved. Right. And we weren't honoring some of the people at Amplify who, who may have been affected by it. And so, so then I, you know, I reread my email and, and I sent it out and we actually ended up having it. We had another town hall. We had, you know, I, as part of the email, I said, Hey, we're going to have a town hall to talk about our response to this. And we had already prior to that been pretty aggressive about crafting a DEI kind of committee and, and strategy yeah and so it was just we wanted to expose that and we wanted to invite the rest of the company to comment on what they would hope for yeah and so the town hall wasn't about us right it wasn't like about me or my feelings it was trying to create a space where people could safely express what they were experiencing or ask for something that they needed right and we wanted to let people know that we were that we cared that it mattered to us, that the event mattered to us, that the, that social justice mattered to us. Principally, we are a firm that is about empowerment and growth. 
And it's not just our team, it's not just our clients, our partners, it's our community. So the goal, the mission, as we as we approach business together, my, my partners and I, at the time I just had one partner, now I have two, is that each person we interact with, each community that we interact with, each group we interact with, the goal, the mission is that that person, that community, that group feels like more than they were previously because of their interaction with us. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we don't always have power, knowledge, wisdom, et cetera, to be able to accomplish that. But that's the lens that we use as we approach our interactions. And so looking at that deep injustice in the community, we felt that profoundly because we want to invest in our communities and the wider communities. And so when I talk about social justice, it's just in alignment with with who we are and what we want. Right. And so we wanted to to expose more of that and how we were going to try to walk in as much authenticity as we could through that together with the rest of the firm. So this is all sort of aural, right? I mean, there's, there's, there's no video. People people can't see you, but but Luke is a white male sitting here before me. If, if I could share that, I mean, people who could go look you up will, yeah. will obviously see that. So I think some of your comments deserve that context because, I mean, you started with who am I? What, what, what do I have to add? And whatever else. And so if I remember that time correctly, you know, at Apex Law as well, it's like as a, as a law firm, we were just devastated as a team by that set of circumstances and, and whole ordeal. I remember having a team meeting about that too. And it's sort of like, who are we to say something, do anything or whatever. But if I, if I understood your story correctly, there's something to be said for when an event like that happens immediately saying, this has happened. This is horrible. We as a business, you know, institution, whatever, insert, insert wherever you're coming from, would never condone something like this. We'll have, we'll have more on this, right? So is that one of the lessons here? I mean, I'm, I'm sort of just trying to extrapolate here, but is that what's, what somebody should do? For me, I, I mean, I feel like that's a part of it. For me, that's too sterile. Mm-hmm. And this was my struggle was like, I feel things, I experience things, and I and I know that other people do too. And and so while we're a corporation, that means we're a group of humans. Yes. You are one but one human being in that group. Right. And I'm one of them. But I think a lot of times these events occur or whatever event occurs and you see a corporate response. And I often wonder, like, is that it feels kind of transactional, like, oh, I want to show everybody that I'm doing this so yes. that they know I'm on the right side of this thing or whatever. And for me, I wanted to continue the mission that we've had from the beginning, which is how do I make the people around us feel seen, valued, appreciated, invested in? They feel like we are partnering with them in their growth. We, they feel like we're supporting them in their sorrow. They feel like we're celebrating with them in their joys and not in a transactional way, not in a, hey, corporately, we need to respond to this, but it's more of, hey, there's people here that may be having different experiences with this. They may be similar to mine, they may be different from mine, but how do we make each person that is here feel those things? And, you know, what would, I mean, you sort of reflected on yourself and said, boy, I wish I would have sent that email earlier or, you know, whatever you, you know, I certainly haven't done everything right. I mean, what does Luke today tell Luke of yesteryear, you know, directly? (laughs) Man, that's a really hard question because I feel like if I were to experience that same event again, I would say, hey, here's the right uh, way to, to approach this, having experienced that thing. Right, right. But even with the recent violence against the Asian and Pacific Islander community, I, I went through the same thing. 
where I thought, do I respond? Should we respond? If I do that, will the people in our firm feel supported, right. valued, seen? And I went through the same dilemma. I did end up responding, and there were a few people that reached out to me from the Asian and Pacific Islander community for whom that response was deeply meaningful. And there were a couple people that reached out from the Asian and Pacific Islander community who just wanted to let me know that they were fine and like, no big deal. Like, it, yeah, that's that's a tragedy, but like, I'm, I don't know those people. I'm not personally affected. Yeah, interesting. Which was surprising to me in some ways, but I guess what my advice would be to myself is recognize that each person experiences these events differently. For some people, it won't affect them. It's just something they see in the news. There's terrible news in the news all the time. Right. And that's a tragedy and you feel bad for those people, but it's not going to be a part of your day-to-day. You know, you aren't going to be affected by it. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people for whom they have experienced trauma. And that event, while they don't know those people, makes them think about their own trauma. And then they relive it. And then they relive it. And it distracts them. And they can't function. Mm-hmm. And then everything in between, right? And uh, in, other, in other experiences that I'm, you know, there's a myriad of, there's myriad experiences that I, I couldn't articulate here. But we all experience it differently. Right. And so... As a leader, you have to be prepared to respond to that spectrum of possibility and experiences if your goal is to make your team feel like you care about them. Yeah, and of course, if we're thinking through a timeline here, the George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and others you know, over the summer of 2020, and the Black Lives Matter movement coming more to the fore, that sort of happened. And then now you're talking about more of the Asian hate crime stuff, which has increased more recently. Yeah. But on the timeline, it's sort of like, you know, your first story happened first, and this this story happened second. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I heard you say was, okay, do I do I respond to this? And there's something to be said for when something terrible happens that you don't even give it power, right? That you, you know, it happens and you don't want to draw more attention to what bad people do. It's sort of like the terrorism response, mm-hmm. where the more you report about it, the more other people might want to copy it or think, oh yeah, I also you know, am a racist and hate Asian people and that emboldens me. So I, I guess I kind of understand that. Do you think there's any credence to that for a, for a company like yours? For a company like mine, no, because you know I don't see our response emboldening an audience like that. Right. You know, if we were in the media, maybe it would be different, you know, or if we were much, much larger, maybe, or if the event was maybe a little bit different, it was, you know, our focus is more on how do we support every community of people mm-hmm. and not just one narrow segment, no matter what that segment is, but how do we support everyone versus the event, you know? So we weren't, we weren't giving a lot of attention to the method or the event that happened. We were trying to give people space to express what they were experiencing or ask for what they needed and offering things, you know, making sure people knew that they could take time. Hey, don't, you don't need to work today. Take a day. You know, you don't need to like work recorded as PTO. Just take the time you need to care for yourself. Be gentle with yourself. You know, please reach out if there's something that we can do to support you further. You know, I think it's just being there for people. Yeah. I like that a lot. It's one of those things where you're working remotely. People aren't actually coming to a to an office to hang their hat and chat at the water cooler, <laughs> you know, and the world's kind of a different place these days. Because what I would say is that we spend the majority of our time in our beds and in our place of work. At least that was the paradigm before COVID, <laughs> right? Right. And you need to lean on your coworkers for experiencing stuff like this because it would be in the middle of that 
work day, theoretically, when something like this would happen. And so I want to just touch on a last historical event that happened and, and just try to pick your brain on, you know, the story of that event at Ampl Amplify as well, which is mm -hmm. January 6th, there was the famous, you know, attack on the Capitol and sort of, some might say, insurrection. But but the events of that day, sort of as they unfolded, I know at Apex there was a lot of unrest and insecurity as people were storming the Capitol building. And we see, we see these images on TV of people in Nancy Pelosi's office, for example, which is, you know, terrifying in a lot of ways. Cast us back to that event. What was the story from that? How did Amplify approach that, if at all? In some ways, that is more fraught because everyone agrees that murder is wrong for the most part. And no one's going to be like, oh, yeah, no, I disagree with that. But that event was reflective of a deep division in our country. I don't know. I don't go ask people what their political affiliation is, but I, but I would be surprised if every single person at Amplify shared the same one. Right. Mm -hmm. Of course. And so I wanted to respond to that because it was affecting people too. And I did respond to it. And for, for political events like that or other political conversations, it seems a little bit tropish, but I think the call is for unity. But not just kind of like, hey, let's all do this together, but just this idea that, hey, you know what? Most of us want the same things. Right. In fact, I did an exercise. This is a little bit of a side, you know, side story here, but I did an exercise a couple of years ago on Facebook where I, where I just had this theory that everybody has the same goals and the same desires, the same, same wants for their life and the same wants for the country. And so I just said, hey, I'm gonna, for the next 10 days, I'm going to take one controversial issue and I'm going to make a statement about it. And if you agree, I want you to tell me in the comments, yes, I agree. And then where you lean, if you're willing to share, you know, hey, I lean left, I lean right, I'm far right, I'm far left, I'm central, I'm libertarian, whatever you are. Tell me you agree in that and what your political leaning is. And if you don't agree, I don't want you to tell me that you don't agree. Instead, I want you to rewrite the statement in a way that you would agree with. Oh, interesting. And I didn't know if I would get any engagement, but I had 20, 30 comments a day. And they weren't, I didn't pull punches. It wasn't like I was like taking, you know, softball issues. I was taking issues like immigration and money and politics and healthcare and military spending and, you know, religious freedom and all kinds of stuff. And what was so transformative about that experience was I, about seven out of 10 days, I got, I got it right. And I said something that I was like, Ooh, we'll see. Like, and, and sometimes I'd be like, oh, but I feel like people on the left are going to light me up for this. Or, or another day, I'd be like, oh, I feel like people on the right are going to light me up for this. And it was sometimes massaged into, into a, a, a more accurate statement, but usually the massaging would be more aligned with what I meant anyway. I just didn't, hadn't phrased it well enough. Mm -hmm. And so I had maybe a dozen people over the course of those 10 days write me an email, which was nuts because the email was almost exactly the same for each person. And it was, I always believed that people on the other side were what? Stupid, racist, dumb. Yeah, feeling you know, negative. Lazy, right. whatever. But now I see we all want the same thing. So this is like, like person after person after person had the same experience as me, which was like, holy smokes. Not only do we all want the same things, but look at how, like everyone wants the same things. This is crazy. And so when I respond to a political event, I try to recognize, hey, you know what? There's a lot of mud in the water with 
the money that's in politics or with the specific politicians and, and the power games that they play or the politics games that they play. The media and the down, spin. The media and the spin. But when it comes down to it, people typically want the same things. And so if I can say, hey, look, let's all rally around the stuff that we want and collaborate on figuring out how to get there, that message of unity ends up landing a little bit more snugly, a little with a little bit more resonance, because it's not just a, hey, please stop being mean to me or please stop being mean to the other side. It's saying, hey, guys, we want the same thing. And achieving that thing is within our power, if only we'll work right. together. Let's right. do it. If you could tell us about you know, January 6th, maybe as events are unfolding or maybe the next day or whatever, but walk us through the conversation that you either had or maybe it wasn't a conversation, but what was the conversation like with your partner at the time about how to approach that other business? Well, yeah, I mean... Oh, maybe there's not a conversation. Do you just do something unilaterally? No, no, no. I, I've gotten better about that over the years. I spent so many years doing everything by myself that it took me a little, it's, it's been a bit of a learning curve to realize I have other people that need to be included in the conversation. Even if we're all going to agree on the same thing, people need to be enfranchised to that. So I've been getting better at that. And so this is definitely one of those times where like, I should check in before I do anything. Good. But I think for this one, I wrote a draft email and I sent it to my partner and I said, hey, I'd like to send this out. What do you think? Um, and he's like, yeah, send it out. And I think for each of these events, it's not a formula, but what I noticed was I did the same thing in each of the emails, which was recognize the event. Hey, this thing happened. It was not good. And what what our position is, like in terms of how it aligns or does not align to our values. Then I like I said something about, hey, this affected me in this way. Not to make it about me, but to make it safe to say it affected you. Hmm. And I wasn't fake about it. I did say this because each person I recognize that other people are going to have other reactions to it, but this is how it affects me. And then an invitation to what we hope for and what is in alignment with our values. And then an action from us of like, hey, let's, we're going to get together and talk about this. Here's the time. Here's the date. And so with each of these events, it sounds like the town hall coming together giving a chance for the, the staff and you know and yourselves to vent mm -hmm. or to, to express your feelings and just talk it was kind of the response. Sounds effective to me, looking back on it, effective each time. Would you do it again? I definitely would do it again. I am not naturally a very empathetic person. I'm trying to be better about that, but I lead a lot of times with my head, thinking mm -hmm. about like, hey, how to, how to, it's more like a puzzle than, than, yeah. What's reasonable, rational, and... Right. right. And so sometimes the stuff that feels like it leans into empathy is guesswork on my part. And so I think that these town halls, which actually my partner suggested, so it wasn't even me that, that did them, but they were very... They were not only cathartic, I think, for many of the people that attended, who, for whom it needed to be, but they were also this moment for us to remind ourselves and each other that we're here for each other and that you're not alone, mm -hmm. especially during COVID when you can feel so alone that, that that wasn't the case. And even with the political one for the people that did not have the same beliefs as everyone else, or, you know, didn't share, the, you know, whatever, right. That saying, Hey, we're in this together. We see you. We value you, we esteem you. And having that moment, I think, was was very meaningful for people, even if on the other side 
I might have felt like, eh, like that's nice, a nice gesture, but it doesn't resonate with me personally because I just don't. That's not how I process those things. That's another one. That's, I suppose it's another example of of everyone experiencing these things differently. And so I feel very, very lucky to be partnered with just the the brilliant leader that I am partnered with, Dave Kaur, and now DJ Wheeler, both of them brilliant, both in terms of business, but also in terms of people and in helping me think around the corners as well to live into the kinds of values and mission that we articulated at the beginning and that we all want and we approach differently. Ah, that, that's great. Luke, thank you so much for sharing about these things, man. I, I really appreciate it. I know that you've built this company and I've watched you grow it over the last couple of years, uh, three, four, five years now. And to maintain those standards as you've gone from zero, essentially, to 100 people is really admirable. And so, you know, I would just ask the listeners, there's a, there's a lot to be learned from this. Of course, Luke is not an expert in diversity, equity, and inclusion, unless, I mean, you wouldn't say you are. Oh, for sure. I'm not. Yeah. I would like to be. I'm, I'm, I'm learning as, as quickly as I can and as aggressively as I can and yeah. working with as many experts as I can to get better. But I think that even your example, though, is helpful, very helpful for business leaders and just leaders in general to think through how to tackle these obstacles, as we no doubt will have to tackle in the years to come. This is the way of life, my friend. We will have challenges and obstacles. It's about just getting over them. So I really, really appreciate you for your time. Amplify Consulting Partners is a, is a great company, and everybody should learn about them. A good company to have in the Pacific Northwest. So, so thank you. Yeah, thank you for inviting me uh, to, to talk here today. I didn't know I was going to be ambushed by uh, the uh, very fraught issues uh, <laughs> that were faced in 2020. I thought maybe right. it was going to be like, hey, how do you build a professional reputation? I was like, oh, I'm on it. No, right. no I'm, I'm being tongue in cheek here. But that was, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about that because that's really important stuff too, right? I mean, it's hugely important. Yeah, no, no easy ones here at Apex Law. We're the hard hitting <laughs> press that you've come to know and love. No. Yeah. But it, it, anything, any last words, anything you'd want to leave people with? Well, I, I think the, the most important thing that I have found in my journey to trying to figure out how to be a leader is that, thank goodness, we articulated our mission and our values out of the gate. Hmm. Because then all of the decisions that we've made have been easy because it's, hey, do they align with this mission and with these values? And if it does, great, that's the right one. Right. And so I would encourage each person who's listening to this podcast who is also a leader to, to do the same because it really, really helps. It really helps big time. Awesome, Luke. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Apex Law Group podcast. For all our podcasts or to learn how we can help you, go to apexlg.com.